Hello. Have you ever traveled and been far away from home? Has it been impossible to get your family on the phone? Have you ever been lonely or a little bit confused or maybe felt? Man, my feet don't fit these Spanish shoes. Well, welcome. Landing spot, you've reached the landing spot. I'll tell you what it's not and what it is. It's not a place of magic and it's not the United States. It's certainly not somewhere you can leave your dirty plates but it is an apartment tucked away in Barcelona and for right now it's where we live and what we call our home join us Landing spot. I'm Sammy. I'm Lauren. And, and you've, you've reached, reached the, the landing, landing spot. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. It's Monday and a holiday in Spain. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to report that I now love all of the holidays we have in Spain. Yes. Just for our listeners that have heard that journey for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we've both had a really relaxing day, mm-hmm. um, caught, catching up on some TV shows and some work and just in appreciating our apartment. Mm. And we're coming at you tonight with three topics, seemingly different, but will be somehow intertwined. Um, the theme is love. The food is sweet potato. And the yoga pose is sphinx. So we'll start with love. And whenever I was brainstorming this and thinking of how the theme love played a role in the past year, when I first wrote this, my first year, um, I think one of the things that I was left with was how after I moved, my heart was so confused that I was here and that everyone that I loved lived across an ocean from me and it was so bizarre to me that the feelings of like love and intimacy and longing and wanting to talk to people had absolutely no relation in time and space to where I was and I just remember all the time being like my body is so confused as to why it can't see the people that I love yeah and this played a role in many in many ways but today what I want to talk about is what that looks like with family yeah because I didn't I didn't realize how important so many small things 
were and are until I moved far away. Like what? Well, it sounds cliche, but it's the idea of like, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Right. And so my first year that I stayed here, I, um, I didn't go home for the whole first year because I knew that I would just need to uproot myself. And I was like, I was terrified that if I went home, I wouldn't want to come back because I knew that I wouldn't have had enough built for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, at Christmas, which is the time, the natural time when I would have gone home. And to be honest, I was really afraid of going home and being a poser. Like after like three or four months of living in Spain, I wouldn't have learned Spanish. Mm. I was still just learning and struggling at my job. I wasn't well adjusted here. And all the pulls of the things at home would have been so much stronger than the life that I had just been beginning to create. Mm. And so I didn't want to give myself whiplash by going back to the place that was like that was so hard for me to leave um to then have to come back to this place where I mean at that time I was living in the hostel I like didn't have like deep friendships developed yet because it just takes time for that to happen Mm -hmm. and so I remember that Christmas and this is the only Christmas in my life I've spent away from my family Oh, and it was just so sad. Luckily, um, my roommates that I was living with at the time, a lot of them were from Central and South America, and they weren't going home for Christmas either, and they celebrated Christmas. And so we had like a Latin-themed Christmas Eve where people came over and brought different dishes from their countries, which was really fun. The whole night was in Spanish, which was really fun. Um, But then everyone went out to the club, and I just needed time to like lay in my bed and cry because (laughs) for me Christmas Eve is not a time for friends it's a time for family and it's not a time for clubbing it's a time for being cozy and being cold Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about that like both of us coming from locations in the world where you get a white Christmas where it's snowing out absolutely different feel yeah absolutely and so um I just remember being so so sad that Christmas and I knew that that day was going to be hard um but just being away from everyone in in that way and it's interesting because like of course it's just one day but I don't know, not just not being able to be with everyone was hard. And beyond that, one of the things that I've needed to get creative about is how I communicate with people at home. Because for example, I'm really close with my brothers. I love them a ton. We get along super well. But like our main bonding comes from like hanging out and doing things. And so we've never been big at keeping in touch whenever we've been apart because Mm -hmm. we just knew that we'd always see each other. We like love to go camping and go on trips together. And all of a sudden, like I'm realizing that that's not happening with the same frequency and it can't because we're so far away. Yeah, you're on three continents right now. Yeah, we're all on, we're all on a different continent, which is totally nuts. And so, um, trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we create new spaces for us to stay in touch and connect, realizing that like being this far apart might be a little bit more permanent than, than I realized. Mm -hmm. And so I guess just, again, the idea of, um, just proximity and being able to celebrate things and share frustrations. I also remember when I moved here, one of the things that was so hard is that all of the challenges I was facing, 
I couldn't really share with my family because they just wouldn't, wouldn't understand. get it. Yeah. No. And like, yeah. they were there for me. They would listen. But like, to try to explain the like 18 things they needed to understand <laughs> to understand this problem <laughs> was like way too much work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was really hard too, where all of a sudden I had like this huge frame of reference that they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so much, um, you just felt very disconnected. Like, the, all of a sudden, the things that were really important to you that you were facing on a daily basis were things they just simply could not understand or relate to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Especially because my, um, at that point, one of my brothers had lived abroad, but he had studied abroad. And I, I feel that studying abroad and living abroad are just very different. Things. Very different. Because in one, you know it's temporary and you're uprooting your life, but you have like the support of a university. And I mean, you it's, have housing. Yes. You it's, don't have to worry about taxes or any of the adulting that right, has to happen. Right. It's still challenging and hard in all of its own ways. Sure. But it's just not the same thing as. Yeah. Yeah. As being a tax paying member of society. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I ask you a question? mm -hmm. When you were, uh, you know, having your alone time at Christmas and feeling your sadness, was there any part of you that regretted the decision to stay? Um, Or do you think like you still knew it was right? It was, well, luckily my mom was coming a few days later, which I was really looking forward to. And, um, I don't know. One of, I mean, one of the other reasons why I just felt like it was so important for me to stay was that I knew if I went home, I would have seen my ex and it just, it, I just like couldn't go through the heartbreak of Mm -hmm. that again. And so I think that it was self-preservation. It really was. I, like, to this day, I haven't... a warrior. I haven't decided if it was... I mean, I guess I just have to trust it was the right decision. I was going to say, I haven't decided if it was... Everyone keeps saying, like, you're so... Yeah, you're a warrior. You're so brave. You're so strong. And, like... But, like, I want to be totally clear that, like, I didn't go home that first year because I was scared. Like, I didn't go home because I was scared to come back. And so, rather than facing that, I just stayed. And... I don't know if that was an act of courage or like an act of cowardice, but I mean, I think if I could do it again, I don't know. I would want to tell that Lauren that like you can go home and like, you're not a poser. It's okay that you don't know anything in Spain yet. Like still just enjoy the time with your family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if I could do it again, I would go home Mm. and Oh, sorry, don't go ahead. (laughs) But I I think the advice that I would give to you is like, well, it can of course be both. And you're the writer of your own story. So it's however you, how how you want to choose to look back on that memory of how you felt at that time is entirely your, your words, your language, and how you decide that you want to communicate it to others. And you can communicate, it was both. Yeah. You should own it. Like, I'm super happy you're talking about this on the pod because I think it's really relatable. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. And I, I, you guys have heard me talk through my struggles of being a massive island my first year where, like, I moved here and was, like, really trying to establish myself and create my whole own new life. And like you said, it was, like, an act of preservation where, like, I wasn't reaching out and making connections because... I wanted to figure out who I was here. Yeah. And even in that, I sort of cut myself off from, from my family a little bit, trying mm. to figure out like who I was here. Mm. And um, 
I would just like to tell me now and in the future, anytime I go through big changes, like it's not necessary to cut yourself off from the people that you love and care about and from the people around you to figure out who you are. Because I think in so many ways, for me at least, figuring out who I am has a lot to do with my relationships with other people. Yes, because other people are mirrors to you. Yes. Yeah, this is the book that I'm reading right now. The Dark Side of the Light Chasers Mm -hmm. is all about this. It's you seeing qualities that you love in other people or qualities that you detest in other people is something that you either admire or hate about yourself. And in order for you to work through those things, you have to, they have to come up. Yeah. And I believe that they really do come up because you see them reflected in others. Oh, I think it's so true. And the book I, I was just reading was saying, uh, this one was Daring Greatly by Renee Brown. It was quoting another, another source in this. I can't remember the source, but it was saying to become fully adult it, as human beings, that doesn't mean to be independent. It means to have to be in a place where other people rely on you. Hmm. And I thought that that was really beautiful, a really beautiful definition of being an adult, which was like being the person that other people can count on. Sure. And um, being an island, I didn't really allow myself to count on anyone else, and nor did I allow Mm. anyone to count on me. Mm. And I think part of it, as I'm talking through it right now, I didn't even make this connection. Part of it was I was afraid to let anyone rely on me because I didn't know who I was and what I could. You didn't get rely on yourself. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't. I didn't. And I was, I was so also like racked with guilt at like leaving behind my old school and like my students and the people who did really count on me and to like get up Mm. and, and leave all of that was hard. Right. Oof. Yeah. Mm. Well, and of course I can completely relate to this so much and something that I like, I'm like waiting for the right opportunity to circle back and I think it's going to, Anything that I pull out of what you just shared with us can circle back, but I think every choice you made was a choice in self-love, right? So you deciding that you were not going to go back for Christmas, no matter how you, if you read it as I was fearful or you read it as I was strong, it's an act of self-preservation and an act of self-love. Yeah. You were, you put yourself first, even if you didn't have the language to understand it yet at the time. Yeah. I was in warrior mode all first year. (laughs) It was like... (laughs) Swords up. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's like that, that definition of how you self care for yourself has evolved. And now I think it does include more asking for help and, and receiving support from others. And it's beautiful, but it just looks different than it did last year. Yeah, it does. And I think last year it was really, I'm thinking of the archetypes now, and it was a lot of like cutting. Like last year was like, it was like slicing. Slicing ties. Yeah, slicing ties. Because yeah. uh, well, like you, you were cutting off your old identity. Yeah. You yeah, were letting her die. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. Oof. Identity, <laughs> man. I can't, I can't even. Um, but one thing that I want to relate this back to was a story from this last weekend. Because yeah. I want to share with our listeners that I'm officially a yoga teacher. Yeah. yeah, I think actually we shared that on the last pod. But it feels official today because yesterday I taught my first class. Yes, you did. my official certification. I was there. Sammy came and so did some of our other friends. Shout out to you. Um, and yesterday was a really big day for me because I have wanted to be yoga teacher trained for years mm-hmm. and I finally made the decision to do it here in Spain. I did it in Spanish, which was 
a huge challenge. Yes. And I was planning on teaching my final class in English. Um, and actually, for the better, there were some people who came to the class from the community that didn't speak English, mm-hmm. and I got to teach in Spanglish, which was lovely because I could say all the things I knew how to say in Spanish right. and say everything else in English. <laughs> <laughs> and um, to me, yesterday symbolized like the real end of my yoga teacher training that class was like one of the required things we needed to do and so that was like the very final thing I needed to do to be like I'm done with this course like here I am and um thinking of the idea of love in my family celebrating accomplishments is really important and especially accomplishments that have like any sort of academic accomplishments or graduations like they're a big deal to us and so yesterday felt to me like yoga teacher training graduation and um, I was so lucky to have you and um, the person I'm seeing and like our friends here to celebrate. We went out to like a nice brunch afterwards. Um, but I just really, really missed my family. Mm-hmm. And leading up to it, I was acting a little bit ridiculous about how important this day was to me. And I think most of it had to do with the fact that my family wasn't going to be there to celebrate with me. And my whole yeah. family does yoga. I feel like I've successfully gotten them all into it. (laughs) And even my dad and brothers, which is the cutest thing. And so the whole time I still, it still makes me sad. Like they all would have come to that little studio. The whole Gould's troop (laughs) would have been there doing my yoga class. And so um, I called my mom yesterday and we were talking about it. And I, I kind of thought they knew this was coming up, but I didn't think that they really understood how important it was to me. Like they knew it was important and it had been so supportive, but just like not being here in the day today, sure. I wasn't yep. expecting them to like, you know, be able to celebrate with me. And um, my mom yesterday told me that she was like, I got a little present for you to celebrate. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? And this is like what I had been missing. I'm going to start crying talking about it. (laughs) With just like her, like that, I don't know, that acknowledgement of it, of the specialness and the way that my family acknowledges things. And um, she was like, do you want me to tell you what it is or do you want to wait? And I was like, no, like, please tell me. (laughs) And so she said she got me like this little bracelet with, an ohm little charm on it and I was just crying on the phone I can't wait to go home this summer and have that bracelet as like the little talisman to the acknowledgement um but I think it's one of those things too where that was a moment where it's like a small thing that was a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Again, the idea of just being able to celebrate and, you know, have a nice meal with my family and, like, take a day to acknowledge how, uh, how, how hard you've been working. And how, and, yeah. Yeah, and I felt a little ridiculous, like a drama queen telling everyone how important this day was to no. me. And it was a three-day weekend and so many people were out of town. But I think that part of the reason I was... Um, it was so important to me was just that, like, love and missing of my family in the way, like, in that moment. Yeah. And I think that we can also just hold space for the fact that you've been saying you feel homesick this week. Yeah. And, and today. Yeah. You just miss your family. I do. I miss them. And I think, I think it's that idea of, like, when big things happen. Yeah. Not, you feel their absence more. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to all the Gould family. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) Gould clan, you're the best. (laughs) And it was, yeah, it's just a bizarre feeling to be so 
homesick and want them to be here, but also to recognize that like I'm thriving here and I want to be here. Mm-hmm. This this thing, the reason it was so big and important was because I did it here in Spain. And like yeah. it wouldn't have been so big and important if I was home. And so th- holding space for those contradictions was really interesting for me too. Yeah. And you did it all on your own and you did it in Spanish. I mean, I didn't do it all on my own. I made a lot of friends who helped. That's true. They helped me study. They helped translate things. I could not have done it on my own. So... Good work, me, for not being an island. But, yeah. But the real question is, this weekend, are you feeling the love? Yes, I'm feeling the love from okay, just, good. like, my community from here, here and my and community, at, community at home. Good. And I think that, that that was something that my family and I have just been working on and trying to figure out is that idea of how do we show love to each other when we're so far away Mm -hmm. and my mom has been so cute we don't usually use the mail that much and she's been like mailing things albeit to the wrong address (laughs) but (laughs) but with always like that where we're all just all of a sudden realizing if I'm gonna stay here we need to find we need to find new ways to fill up our love tanks because they're yes. getting more empty than normal. Yeah. And and not for lack of wanting to fill them up. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that's has just been my reflection sitting on love. Perfect. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, love. Um, I would love to transition and Tell talk us about sweet about potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Holy shit. So sweet potatoes and I were in a very serious, committed relationship. <laughs> When I was going through my disordered eating, unfortunately now we are we are not on speaking terms. Mm, I do not eat them. I, they do broken up. Yeah, they they just no longer digest well. Mm. But I do want to share a little bit of what I used to do <laughs> with sweet potatoes. So, mm-hmm. um, have you ever been to Costco mm-hmm. or like BJ's or whatever the equivalent? Mm-hmm. They would sell sweet potatoes in these big five pound sacks. Oh wow, I didn't know that. And I would buy them in bulk. Whoa. And eat them all. I would like maybe share some with Sarah, but I would eat probably mm, six a week. Okay. Like some obscene amount. That's like a sweet potato a day. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So uh, I would roast some and just like cover them up in tinfoil, poke some holes in, stick them in the oven on 400 for about an hour. They would get super caramelized and delicious. And I would make them into a breakfast bowl because at this time I was green free and I would scoop out the insides of the like super sweet mushy sweet potato and I'd mix it with flaxseed mm. and put almond butter on top yum it was delicious and simple and I used to love eating that for breakfast and then I would eat for lunch sweet potato fries sometimes I would cube them up I love sweet or potato cut fries. them into little strips and I also used to cook it into this, uh, like, omelet quiche. Oh, frittata. Frittata. So I would have all the eggs and all the sweet potatoes and some veggies. Yum. And just every meal I ate, I would somehow incorporate the sweet potato. Sometimes I even put them in smoothies. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whew, I was just, like, on a girl. sweet potato pie Yeah, for a you few were. Months. Mm-hmm. Wow. Whenever I was really hungry, I, I felt like, oh, well, they're potatoes, so they're, like, really dense carbs, so I can fill up on those, and they'll, like, make me full. No, 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 no. Not the case. And I just got to a point where all of a sudden my stomach, my stomach was like, no, 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 no more. Okay. We reject this. Question. Did you grow up eating sweet potatoes? Or yeah. Not? Okay. Yeah. Not in 
uh, like mass quantity, but yes. Okay. Potatoes, sweet potatoes. I definitely like a good sweet potato fry. Um, but I just got to, yeah, that like idea of obsession and sweet potato was the thing that I felt was a safe food. It was like a diet friendly food. It Mm. was sweet. It's, it wasn't, it was technically classified as a vegetable in my eyes and it would like keep me really full and yeah, unfortunately I've now learned the error of those ways and I can enjoy a sweet potato if I feel like it, but when I, when I crave it and I've just most recently just not been in the mood. They don't, they don't taste good to me anymore. Bye, sweet potato. (laughs) Bye, sweet potato. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that's a good, I mean, like I was going to say cautionary tale in the fact Mm -hmm. that it makes me think of how many times whenever we make drastic diet changes, we tend to rely on one food or a couple mm-hmm. foods so much mm-hmm. that ultimately it doesn't work out mm-hmm. well for, for me. Us. Sweet potato, banana, nut butter. I just eat all of those things all the time. Mm. When I became vegan, it was legumes and beans because that uh, was my protein. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, you know, in America, we don't really eat that much. Well, okay, I can't speak for all of America. There's many different in your diets upbringing. in America. <laughs> in my American upbringing, we don't really eat very many beans. They're not like a part of... Mm, they're just like not a naturally part of anything except for chili. Or, yeah, it's like, and they're like a side dish occasionally. Yeah, maybe there's baked beans with like a hot dog and then or brat. And then there's, yeah, I would say the two foods that have beans are baked beans and chili. Beyond that, no, they just don't show up. Texas caviar. I was just going to say that. That's though. it. Okay. And that's like a rare, like, two to three times a year. <laughs> Summer. Yeah, chili, you know, happens in, in the fall. And baked beans whenever you're lucky. But it just wasn't that much a part of my diet. And so whenever, when I was vegan, all of a sudden, that was my protein Mm -hmm. source. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that that might have contributed to what happened with my skin and just all of the breaking out. Because beans can be hard on your stomach. Mm -hmm. And the amount that I increased what I was eating was just like so extreme Mm -hmm. that I, I wonder if that threw some things off in my system yeah yeah and to me it's like I feel like I've already talked a lot about this on the podcast so I I don't want to like beat the dead horse but uh, these are just examples of many of the 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 mindsets that we get lost in yeah and PSA um this is not sponsored but I am just about to finish one of the best books on this subject that has really helped me heal and I do wish I had read it a couple of years ago because now it just feels like yeah this makes perfect sense to me and I've already implemented this lifestyle but for anyone who's struggling with eating disorders or disordered eating I highly recommend the book The Fuck It Diet mm. by Caroline Dooner mm. it's fantastic mm. you can buy it hardcover or you can listen to her to read it as her own audiobook and it really helps debunk with research um, why diets are so problematic and um, completely they, they don't even work. It's um, just sad the way that our culture just gets so absorbed into wanting to you know, buy your happiness, <laughs> buy your worthiness through um, looking at like looking a certain way or having a certain number on the scale. Absolutely. And 
it's just amazing how we develop these thought patterns and these rules around how we're supposed to eat to meet that. At least that was my experience. Totally. And one of the things that stuck out to me whenever I was in yoga teacher training, because we had different people come and talk about um, food and diet, we had like people trained in the idea of Chinese medicine, people trained in Ayurveda. It was interesting to see there's many similarities and many differences. Um, but one of the things that I think our Ayurvedic trainer said amongst much Spanish I couldn't understand, <laughs> one thing I could understand was that he was like, the more varied your diet is, the healthier your diet is. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting for me because when I was coming out of the throes of veganism, there was a lot of food I was actually afraid of yes. and afraid to eat. Yes. And so ridiculously, it's been like a confidence booster to see that my body can digest things. Yeah. You just said to me this morning, you think, you think your skin is better when you eat animal protein. Yeah. And the most like, oh my gosh, Spain has such great <laughs> seafood and I'm currently obsessed with octopus yes. and yes. I've just been trying all of this like different seafood food that I've never eaten before in my life and I just love it and I am sure that my body is just getting different nutrients from different different things and so it's been fun to it's been fun to expand my horizons and just like feel proud like yeah my body just digested that oyster (laughs) yes yes (laughs) and I also want to celebrate the fact that I think I've come such a long way when I first moved here that was something I really wanted to work on in myself is heal my relationship with food and with my body And I truly can say I eat 100% intuitively and I don't think about it anymore. I don't question it. I don't have weird rules. I'm probably going to eat cheese and crackers for dinner tonight because that's all I have in the fridge. And it sounds really good. And um, it's like, whatever. That sounds perfect. (laughs) Old me wouldn't have been able to, would would have been more complicated. I'll just say that. Um, So, yay. Thanks, Sweet Potato, for helping me get where I am today. And I am a big fan of sweet potatoes, so thank you, sweet potatoes, for existing. <laughs> I'm sorry that you you and Sammy went through a rough patch. <laughs> All right. Shall we? Yes. Yay! So we're going to transition and get over to the yoga mat, and Lauren's going to demo Sphinx pose. So I want you to imagine a Sphinx, a pyramid. So like I'm thinking of ancient Egypt. <laughs> what do I look like? Mm, you look like a majestic mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm laying on the ground right now with my face uh, down. And what I've done is I've taken my arms and right now my elbows are planted underneath my shoulders. And my hands are planted on the ground in front of me and my chest is arched up. And I'm gazing at the ground, maybe like three feet in front of me so that my neck has this nice extension and my back has this nice extension. And this pose is a gentle heart opener. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately, whenever I think of Sphinx and I think of what the things we're talking about, this relates to one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes. Tell and us. since I'm reading her newest book, which I already mentioned, Daring Greatly, or Dare, no, wait, Lead. Daring the Lead? Uh, yeah, Dare to Lead. Thank you. She has another one, Daring Greatly. Yeah. Read so many of her things. And she references all of her own books in this book, so it's all cycling. But one of her quotes is, soft front, strong back, wild heart. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, that relates so much to what we talked about, both with the stories of love and with the sweet potato. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of Sphinx Pose right now, where my heart is open to you. Yeah. Yeah. And my like, back is strong. Yeah. And my, strengthened. Absolutely. And you feel wild. Yeah. Inside. Want to hear another awesome connection? Yes. Whenever I was coming to the sad terms that sweet potatoes were no longer agreeing with me, I would lay in Sphinx Pose. <laughs> Wait, seriously? Why? Yeah, that's like my pose I go to when I have stomach discomfort. Oh, totally. Yeah, because it stretches out your whole abdomen. Your front, do you ever put a blanket underneath mm-hmm. you rolled up? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one of the most beautiful restorative poses. Yeah. It's like what happens when you have just a stomach ache or you eat too much or something doesn't agree, you just lay on your stomach on the ground. Yes. And you want to still continue talking to people, so you put your elbows underneath your chin yeah that's sphinx pose cute little cute little posture yeah and I think I really think that that idea of having an open front and a strong back um is so pivotal in in just experiencing life because I think that first year whenever I was trying to figure out what was going on. Brene describes it as having like a strong front and a weak back. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like is sort of the fear that I was talking about where I like made myself an island and maybe wasn't reaching out for connections and was like afraid to do things. Yeah, so I put up this very strong front, Mm -hmm. but it was because I felt like I didn't have the strength and flexibility in my spine Mm -hmm. to navigate the things I needed hey yeah so that's been in yoga yoga is all about spine strength and flexibility um and so now after being here for two years having time to like build that strength and flexibility and confidence I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm able to have a much more open front Mm, that's beautiful I think so too Mm. I see it in you and I also feel it in myself Mm. Yeah. It's a mirror, just like you said. Yes. <laughs> um, I just realized we did not prepare our cards, but Lauren's on it. She's going to grab the next set of three so we can pick for next week. <clears throat> so, listeners, we should also warn you that summer is fast appro- approaching, and by the end of next week, Lauren and I will be hiking the Camino de Santiago with separate groups of students and then the week after that um we will both be departing for the summer so uh we will definitely have at least one more podcast episode coming out and we are going to make a plan for what the pod will look like after that so stay tuned for more updates thanks lauren you're welcome in the meantime thanks to tune in for next week the theme for next week will be oh homesickness homesickness mm, good we touched upon that now so it's only gonna grow um oh the food the food is dates <laughs> i got confused for a moment <laughs> dates the edible kind date yes <laughs> the edible kind and um i mean that used to be a fruit true There's lots of edible types of dates <laughs> and warrior three. Oh, perfect All right. See you next time.